Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. This week, I want to talk about these words. Simple, easy, fast. Simple, easy, fast. I'm sure immediately everybody got a warm and tingly feeling. Americans love these three words. When I was putting this message together, I did not have any trouble figuring out why. Everything I thought about that we have in our lives, experiences, objects, possessions, nutrition, we all, all of it, we want it to be simple, easy, and fast. Think about food. I don't care what kind of food person you are. If you like to go out and eat, you want to go out and you want that food to be fast. Whether it's a nice restaurant or not, you want it to be easy. The menu, you want to be able to read it and to be able to understand what's on it. If you're at a, you know, another restaurant, you, you want it to be easy to put together your meal and figure out what's what. When you go to those, you know, the menus where it's pick one here, pick one there, pick one here. I'm confused. Am I at three? Am I at four? Is this ad charge? What? You know, you want it easy. You want it simple. You don't want stuff in there. You don't know what it is. I don't know. Can you take the onion? You can't take the onions out. That's too complex. Right? We want it. Even if you're cooking, right? You want the ingredients to be simple. Now you have all these services where they can send you the food, the recipe, everything. Stories. If somebody's telling you a story, like, come on, come on, come on. Get to the point. I want the story to be fast. I want it to be simple. I didn't understand. You had too many thoughts there, too many people. You said she four times. I don't know what she were talking about anymore. Now, you may not say those things out loud, but I know that's what you're thinking. Cars. Look, I like cars. You definitely want your car fast. I don't care what it is. Minivan, it's still better go. <laughs> you want it easy. Easy to use, easy to control, easy for the, the interfaces. You want it easy, and you, and you want it to be simple. You know, I don't want anything too complex. I want it clean. I want easy to get in, easy to maintain, simple to understand. Phones. Now everyone's laughing, right? I don't have my phone. I took it out. Come on. We want it to be simple. We want it to be easy. And the second that thing slows down for a heartbeat, that text don't go through, the email isn't working, the phone hangs up, you click, you want to smash it. Okay, you pay $800. Right? Simple, easy, and fast. Everything. Our conversations. Everything. School. Think about school, the big education High school, college, four years? Is there a way I could just sign up and get a degree? It's a lot simpler, a lot easier. School's too complex. Okay, hopefully you know where I'm going. How about church? Did these three words affect church around America? Do they affect church today? Do we want it to be simple? I want to understand everything in church easy. I don't want anybody bugging me at the, at the doors. Just leave me alone. I want to sit wherever I want to sit. If I want to get up four more times, I want to, that's, that's fine. I want it to be easy. Don't ask me to come up. Don't, you know, just, just let, me be my, let me do my thing. And fast. I want church to start and end, and I'm out. <laughs> and look, 
as a pastor, I feel that way sometimes, right? I got a billion things going on, right? And they aren't all ungodly, by the way. I know you're thinking, he's ending at this time because he's going to go do that or go do that. You, you have no idea sometimes. I got people waiting for me to pray, or I got somebody who's got a, a life disaster about to happen, or somebody in the hospital. It's a million things. I never know what it is. So, you know, I sometimes I pray, Lord, just, just do it fast. Come on. Come on. Come on. Um, and then just God, right? Don't we want God to be simple? Uh, this concept of how, you know, can't understand him. You know, your ways aren't our ways. That don't sound easy. Fast, you just say, be still. Nothing about being still is fast. Like nothing. Um, but yet we project this. Okay. What about now your Bible? Well, you can take any book. You'd rather it to be simple, easy, and fast. You don't you generally don't like to read long novels and you know you do audible.com or you know you want the words to be understandable. But but what about the Bible? What about this? How many of us want this to be simple? Just open it up and understand it. Easy. Easy to read. It's not, you don't, you don't feel in the morning, oh, I don't want to read my Bible. And fast. One verse. Won't that just do it? It's, it's funny, right? I mean, I, I, and, you know, there's a number of, of verses I have around my house. Um, you know, I don't have any verse tattoos on me yet, but, um, you know, when people generally do that, I think it's interesting because they usually get a verse, a single verse. Um, it's simple, it's easy, and it's fast. You never see, like, an entire passage, right? Like the whole parable from here to here. No, it's, it's just a verse, right? It's like, well, the whole Bible, we can just, we can, everyone wants to bundle the whole thing up into one verse. You see it all the time, John three sixteen or whatever. You know, and I wonder about this as I think about this as I get into the message today. You know, I, and I haven't spoke much about this from the pulpit, um, but, but I want to do it today. I, I preach out of the New Living Translation. This is a very f new translation, frankly. Uh, when I was in college, it didn't exist, um, at least not in mass production. It's called the NLT. I like to call it my story Bible. You'll hear me talk about it as my story Bible. The reason why is it's fantastic for telling stories. Like, I can read out of this, and it's very easy to understand. Very easy. The words are all modern words, contemporary words. There's even, you know, um, you know colloquialism, slang in here. It's, it's great. I call it my story Bible. Um, and there are lots of versions. NIV, NLT, King James Version, New King James Version, uh, St American Standard Version, Revised Standard Version, Contemporary English Bible, American Standard Bible, etc., 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 um, why are all these Bibles? You go, to the, you go to the bookstore to buy a Bible, it ain't easy. Why? Why do you think there are so many Bibles? I'll give you three little words. They want it to be simple, easy, and fast. So all the Bibles, if you go over the years, you start from the King James and you go look at every Bible that was produced since then, there's an attempt to make the Bible simpler to understand, easier to read, red print, big print, phone print, and fast, faster to understand it. 
faster to read it. Now you can open it up and just read the highlighted verse. You don't even have to read it anymore. You can just read the devotion that came with the page, the picture, right? You don't even need to read the Bible. Simple, easy, and fast. Now, is there anything wrong with this? I'm not saying there's anything wrong. There's a lot of times you need simple, easy, and fast. That's why we have devotions. There are a lot of times, but there are times where that can be troublesome. When things are simple, easy, and fast, you'll miss things. I've had some fantastic dinners in my life, and they weren't simple, and they weren't easy, and they were not fast. Some of the best novels I've ever written look like tomes, I mean, read. They look like tomes. You know, like, like if you had to print it out, it'd be like this. I couldn't, I couldn't buy it from the bookstore. I had to put it on my iPad, my iPhone. My iPhone got heavier when I downloaded it. Like, it was that big. Um, wasn't simple, wasn't easy, wasn't fast. It was life-changing, that book I read. So lots of things aren't simple, easy, and fast. You miss some of the nuances. When I go to versions of the Bible, you will miss lots of nuances when you get away from the original text. Now, I don't read Greek or Hebrew. That's the original text. So the English translation direct from Greek and Hebrew is the King James Version. That's the these, the thous, and it's, it's not simple, easy, or fast. But I want to tell you something. I've done a study in college, and I'm going to move on to my main point. I'm segueing here. I did a study in college because I argued with some of my friends about this. Um, there is a big difference between some of these versions. In the King James Version, the word sin is in there a number of times. I don't have the math in front of me. If you start looking at other versions, it's less times you'll see the word sin. In the King James Version, the word blood is in the Bible so many times. In every other version, you will find it less and less times. For instance, in a very popular version that all of you have under your pew right now, um, the King James Version uses the word virgin. It uses it to describe the mother Mary. It uses it to describe the conception of the baby Jesus. In many Bibles, when you look at the prophecy and you look at the discussion of Mary, it will no longer use the word virgin. To me, that's in a pretty important point. Okay, I'm not saying these other Bibles are wrong. I'm telling you I preach out of the NLT that does the same thing at times. But what you need to know is I don't study out of the NLT. I study Greek, I study Hebrew, I study King James Version, Strong Concordance. I study lots of different texts to make sure I understand. And today, I want to demonstrate something very subtle that some of you may have picked up over the years, but it is instrumental to this message to understand what God is trying to say to you. And so we're going to do a little experiment. You ready? Okay. I'm going to turn to this scripture. It is in Acts Bible swords. Bible swords means, uh, it's, is that what it's called, Bridget? Bible swords? It's like, who can get there first? Ready? Acts 1, 14. Now, I physically want you to open your Bibles today. Whatever Bible you brought with you. NLT, NIV, King James. You don't have a Bible. There's one in the pew in front of you. Just grab a Bible. I don't care. Grab your Bible. Acts 1, 14. Who's there first? There we go, Miss Mary. Grab a Bible. When you're there, say Amen. Amen. My Bible reads this. It says, They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Hopefully your Bible says something like that. I want to now show you what the King James says. It says in Acts 1.14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Well, look at your Bible. 
then look at what's on the screen. There's one concept, one word, but it's a concept that's on the board right now that you may not find in your Bible unless you're looking at a King James Version. As a matter of fact, in almost every version that I looked at before I got to church, I looked at, I don't know, 20 or so, the concept was completely omitted. There was no mention of it. But it's on the board right now in the original text. Can you see what word that is? Everyone's thinking. That's like school. Like, oh, he's calling on me. I feel like I need to take notes. Don't worry. I got the screen. You ready watching? Hmm. That's interesting. All right, Bible Swords number two. This one is, um, this one's Ephesians 6, 18. Ready, go. I know, it feels like, it feels like Sunday school. I haven't taught Sunday school in a while. Can you see? <laughs> I'm having a little fun with you guys this morning. 618. Miss Lillian is trying to say, she's there. She beat you, Miss Mary. Sorry. <laughs> 618, she said. Um, I, I want to read my Bible. It says, pray in the Spirit at all times, and on every occasion, stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Pray in the Spirit at all times, and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. That's 618. I want to show you what King James says. 618. Praying always with all prayers and supplication. In the spirit, being watchful, this end with all perseverance and obligation for all the saints. Now, some of the versions, some of the more older versions, like the NIV, they will say prayer and they'll use another word, request. So they, they, they know there's a concept there. They weren't sure exactly how to make it easy or simple, so they use the word request, which is close. But in the second instance here, the word supplication is twice, it's completely omitted. They didn't think it was important. It was confusing. It wasn't simple or easy. It certainly wasn't fast to read, so they omitted it. Now, is this a completely terrible thing? No, the point of the Scripture, the gist of the Scripture, the intent of the Scripture may be all still there, but I think you're getting my point. It says praying always, by the way. Pray always with all prayer. And, you know, in this Bible it says pray in the Spirit at all times. All these verses sort of say the same thing. Why is that so hard to do? Why is it hard to pray all the time? Pray without ceasing? Why is it so hard? You ever consider why it's so hard to pray all the time? I don't know. I mean, we're busy. Uh, we got a lot of things on our mind, distractions, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I learned one thing this week. Here's one reason why it's hard. Because we don't make it easy. And here's how we could make it easy. If you lived your life every day with the decisions that you make, based on what you believe God wanted you to do, and you were living in God's zone, not your zone, believe me, you'd live in a lot more prayer state because you'd have no clue what you're about to do next. You see, we are so self-sufficient. We got work covered, I got it. We got the kids covered, I got it. We got school covered, I got it. We got dinner covered, I got it. We so much, I got it. Oh, we don't need to pray because why? We got it. One more verse. And then I'm going to give it to you. Philippians 4. Now, this one you may not need to turn to because many of you know it. Philippians 4, verse 6. It says, in my, in my version, NLT, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. 
such an awesome verse. This is a great verse. It really is. Um, NIV, I think, says, don't be anxious. So I want to read the King James. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. There it is again. What is this word continuing to pop up in the King James? Why is it annoying me? Please, when you make a new version, get rid of it. It's got too many syllables, and I'm not exactly sure what it means. In a lot of Bibles, it'll use the word request or even petition here. It'll say prayers and petition, which is getting a little closer. At least in this instance, they felt the need to say and something else, and they used the word petition. What is it about this word? This word in the Greek is very specific. King James didn't make it up. Prayer is one word. Supplication is a different word. The word in the Greek is a fancy word. It's called diesis. Diesis. You don't need to know it. I'm just pointing out to you that it's a separate word. What does diesis mean in this context? In these three verses, it means something very specific. It's not just a request or a formal ask like a petition. It's, that's not what it meant. What it means is very specific. Let me try to share with you for a second. It means to when you pray, to also implore, if you can familiar with that word. It means to entreat, if you're familiar with that word. It means to beseech, if you're familiar with that word. All those words you may not use anymore. You may still be asking me, that ain't simple or easy, and this is not fast. Can you get to the point? The word we use today, the word we would use today, to replace this. As a noun, it would be a plea. Or to plead. To plead. That's what this would mean. It's not just any old petition or any request. It is to plead. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus had died. He had gone to heaven. They were in the upper room. They weren't just praying, Jesus, help us. God, help us. Oh, I guarantee you, the mother just lost her son, realized it was God incarnate. He had gone to heaven. These 120 in the upper room were pleading with God. Are you tracking me? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Why would you ever plead? Why would you ever plead? It's very interesting. When I went back and looked at supplication, dictionary.com does an amazing job at this. I love dictionary.com. You put a word in, it tells you the answer, tells you what it means. And what it'll do is, it'll also show you how many mentions, how many times that word was used over time. Supplication was one of those words that was used in the, you know, the dictionary.com goes back to the early 1800s, 1700s. It's used like this much. And today it's used, it's like, it's used like this much. Plead is also a word. It was used like this much. And it's, it's kind of gone out. This is very interesting to me. Words that have gone out of, of fashion, gone out of form, is very interesting to me. You know, fashion comes back, it's retro. Words generally aren't that way. Why these words were so important back then, we don't use them now. I believe because we want to be fast, simple, and easy. And we want to sometimes ignore some of this past. In this case, we need help with this word plead because it's not something you or I do often. I don't believe it's something that you readily come to mind. Oh, I plead. Let me give you some examples here. Plead, here's one. What does that look like? That looks like somebody who badly needs something. 
You were in jail, imagine, unjustly perhaps. You were imprisoned. You were enslaved. And the, the guard outside, he's got the keys or he, he's got the answer to your freedom. What are you going to do to that man or that woman? What, what emotion, what reaction are you going to do? You're going to plead to him. You are desperate. Please help me. That's how you'd feel. That picture says a thousand words. That's pleading. In the old days, it would look also something like this. You would go before a king, and you'd plead for mercy. Save my son. Save my house. This guy's attacking me. This, avenge my family. Are you tracking me? We do this now, by the way, in government today. We don't have kings. We have judges. And when you go to a judge, by the way, you make a plea. Now, it's formal. It's written down. Unless something dramatic's going on, you don't have an opportunity to cry and plead before the judge. Use a lawyer to do all that. But it's the same concept. To plead. You see, we as Americans, we have confused this concept of plead. As a matter of fact, it's dwindled down. And one word that has gone up over time is plead's little brother. Now, we know plead's little brother well. We make fun of it. We laugh at it. We sometimes our heart breaks at it. It's on YouTube everywhere. This is plead's little brother. It is cute. This is begging. Begging is not pleading. Begging is something else. I want you to think in your head, what's the difference between begging and pleading? That is where we're going to turn to the Bible. If you want, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 18. I believe that's where I'm going. Luke chapter 18. Matthew, Mark. So it goes, it goes Matthew, Mark. Luke, and then John. So if you get to John, you're too far. 18, I think, is after 17. Um, there it is. And we're going to start at verse 1. I want to read this to you. I'm going to read it quickly because the story says for itself. It's my story Bible, so you'll understand it. Real simple, real easy, and real fast. Um, verse 18 says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show how they should always pray and never give up. In verse 2. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. That's a great judge. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally, he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. It says that in my Bible. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out. It says that in my Bible. Um, with her constant request. Then the Lord says, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to those or to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night, would he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. It says, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? So this is a story about a woman who's basically pleading, or basically begging and begging and begging repeatedly, and he just drives the judge crazy, and the judge does what she asked. And Jesus says, wouldn't God, who loves you, who's actually just, wouldn't he 
answer your prayer and give you justice faster than an unjust God? We don't need to beg to God today. We don't need to come to God over and over with the same request and beg and beg and beg and beg God. That is not what this message is about. God knows what your heart is. He knows what your desires are. He wants you to spend time with him as we heard today. But this verse points out that even if we do beg, even if we do beg, he hears you. He understands you. And he wants to answer you. And by the way, he's going to answer you. So if you don't see the answer working out, that's because you ain't looking close enough. He's answering you. And by the way, it says in the end there, how many will have faith when he comes back again? This is the point I was trying to tell you last week. Jesus is saying it himself. He's saying in the last days, there'll be no Holy Spirit. There'll be no God uh, delivering his justice. There'll be no judgment of God rendering it on earth. It'll be seven years of, of nothingness, no Holy Spirit. We call it tribulation. And during that time, would you still have faith if God stopped doing things? Jesus asked it himself. How many will? Today, by the way, you have the ability for God to do things in your life today. Are you excited about that? So maybe now you can get a sense. See, I thought about this begging concept. This is what I think about. My kids beg all the time. The word I like to use is nag. Dad, download the app. Dad, download the app. I need this app. Download the app. Change the channel. Change the channel. I can't hear it. Dad, I can't hear it. I'm ignoring them. I think they think if they say it enough, they will just wear me down. And they do it through repetition. And generally, it's very effective. It's very effective. Although I've become immune to it most of the time. And it's also something else about begging. It's wherever they can get what they want. You see, a beggar, you know, on the side of the road or, 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 or who needs something, you know, it's repetition again, a sign or a pan out, and, and, and they're just repetition. The people going by eventually. They don't care if you give it to them or I give it to them. They don't care. It doesn't matter. That's what begging is. There's no intense focus as much as it is just this repetition, and eventually you're going to wear down society or wear down, and you'll get what you want eventually, you hope, and if not, you continue at it. That's begging. Are we familiar with it? Don't nag God. Don't try to wear him down. Don't repeat, 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 repeat every prayer the same way every time. And don't, by all means, don't try to get your prayer that God's supposed to answer answered somewhere else. You're missing the purpose. And all that is part of begging. Pleading, on the other hand, pleading, which we may be unfamiliar with as adults, Pleading looks very different. Pleading is an emotion. It's an intense emotion that comes over us, often in desperation. You're pleading for your life, don't shoot me! Or there's a fear that comes over to you, don't touch my child! That's pleading. And if the guy on the side of the road asked me for money that way, he would certainly get my attention, and I probably would do something very different. And when you see people on the side of the road pleading, you often are moved to help. There's an urgency about pleading. There's an eagerness that occurs when you see someone plead. Why don't we plead more often? You guys have urgent requests. You have emotions. Why don't you plead? I believe, again, because we're Americans, we're very prideful people. We don't want people to see all these desperate emotions. It feels weird to show them. It's a private thing. Shame comes out if I cry about something. 
So plead because of our culture and because of time and because of the English language. It's something that has disappeared into the courtrooms. And why is it about pleading, which the Bible says to do over and over? He says to bring prayers and supplications. Plead to him. Not just with your normal prayers, but plead to him over and over again. I give you three examples in Scripture. Three examples where he's asking us to plead to him. When I think about begging and I think about pleading, I think about this. And I'm sure some of you do too. You see somebody on the side of the road. And you don't want to necessarily give money. think he may use it for alcohol or drugs. And, and you may also think to yourself, oh, you want help? Well, so does every other business around the street here. They need help too. Go get a job. Right? I've heard people shout that out the window. Go get a job. Or here's a help wanted sign. Which, by the way, you know, now I'm on a sidebar. You want to help some of these guys out? You can stop and pray for them. They'll probably think it's weird, but you could do it. The side of the road may be dangerous. But how many of you go eat? And don't finish everything. Like every one of you. I've been out to eat with most of you. Get it to go. You don't want it. You don't want to smell the car up? Fine. Don't get in the car. Take the thing. Walk down the street. It'll probably take you 10, 15 minutes before you find somebody. Give them the food. Anyway, help want it. See, this is the difference between plaguing and, and pleading. With begging, it's help want it. The beggars want help. And so they stay out there, and they beg, and they beg. My kids want something. Whoever's begging wants something, wants something, wants something. And the person who is giving makes a determination. Do you really want it that bad? Uh. But pleading is not about help want it. It's about help need it, church. This is not about coming to God with what you want, right? Those are prayers. Supplications are what you need. And when you go to God with what you need, it says to plead to him. It's a want versus need. Here's what's so amazing. When the Lord started sharing this with me, he said, Sean, here's the thing about pleading. You want something that you can't earn. You don't deserve it. Because if you could earn it or deserve it, you would go do it yourself, as we all do anyway. The reason we need to plead is because we've gotten to a spot where we can't do it on our own. We're behind bars. We can't get out. Somebody's overpowered us, a king. Somebody has a gun to our head. We do not have control anymore. God wants you to render control to him, church. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, you can't get it without someone. That's why you plead. Whatever it is, you can't attain. You can't get until you plead. And that is what supplication is. Now, I'm wrapping this up, and I wanted to wrap this up to give you a minute to let this absorb. Now, at this point in the message, as I was putting it together, I said, Lord, I laughed. I said, Lord, this, I understand where you're going. I, I get it. But I'm having trouble with the creativity. How do I share this message with the church? How can I make them understand how important it is to plead? And why do you care so much? And why, Lord, would, how would we even get us to understand that? We, we're not behind bars. There aren't guns to our heads. We have more freedom than we ever had in the history of the world. We have more freedom. We have everything we've ever wanted and then some at the tip of our finger. This congregation is not going to understand it. I made it too complicated. Supplication's got too many syllables. They want it fast. They want it easy. They want it simple. God, you got to give me something that's simple, easy, and fast for them to understand. And then it occurred to me, this concept is not at all foreign to any one of you. 
As a matter of fact, once upon a time, you were professional pleaders. God birthed you with this, and you see it every single day. Walk back into our nursery, and you'll see a picture that looks like this. This picture look familiar? This is the human condition pleading, pleading. This isn't nagging. This isn't begging. This is the heartfelt need for something, something very specific. Only one thing will do. Nothing else matters. This baby wants one thing more than anything else on the planet. Nothing. No cell phone. No ring of keys. No YouTube video will do. The world can throw its best at this baby. And it will return to this state. It is saying, please, mommy, Come hold me. Pick me up. Now look at this baby for a second. I don't see fear in that baby's eyes. This is a baby who knows that mom is the greatest thing on the place of the earth. That mom is where happiness is. It's comforting. The baby wants to be close, so close, and isn't afraid to show it. And you know what, mom, there's something in every mother. This will trigger instantly. It doesn't matter what's going on with mom, what she's doing, she will stop. Where she is in the house, she will run to baby, and no matter what's going on, baby, she will pick baby up. She wants to be as close to that baby as that baby wants to be close to her. Are you following what I'm saying, church? This is what God wants to enter in with you. He wants to pick you up as your parent, as your father. He wants to hug and love on you. He is desperate for you. He just wants you to be desperate for him. He wants you to plead inside like this little baby is pleading for mom. Do you get the image? This should be fast. This should be easy and simple for you to comprehend. Look, let me explain something else about this baby. This is a beautiful photo right now. This is easy to get. But let me explain this because some of you need to hear it. So listen very, very carefully. If that baby went outside and fell in mud, if that baby had paint from top to bottom, and I've seen it in the nursery, if that baby was sick and had snot running down its nose left and right, if another baby sneezed on it and had it all over him, if that baby was disgusting in any way you would describe disgusting and put his hands up like that and cried for mom, I assure you with 100% certainty, mom would pick him up. I don't care what condition you come to God today. I don't care how dirty you are or you feel you are. I don't care what this world is contaminated with you, past or present. God is here to pick you up and you desperately need to plead to him. And so many of you have forgotten what it's like to be a little baby and what it's like for God to sit in a service like this and pick you up and hold you and care for you. That feeling of closeness is something that I could not possibly describe in a sermon. But that 
is the feeling God wants you to know today. And that is the feeling that he wants to give you when he says love. This is what he means. Why would you ever plead? When's the last time you've had to plead? When you're in trouble, at court, when a guy's got a gun to your head, when the situation in life seems so difficult, that's when you're going to plead? You have desires. You have needs. The Bible says that we are to bring our prayers and our supplication over and over and over. That is not a concept that can be easily understood with one word in black and white print. And so many Bibles have decided to make it easier. Today, I wanted you to understand the mysteries of God's Word, the mystery of the word diesis. And I want to share with you one more picture. Because it doesn't always have to be born out of pain and suffering. Many of us feel the time to plead is when the doctors have given you news that you just can't bear. Your husband or your spouse or your relationship has just crumbled before your eyes and you can't do anything but plead because every emotion is stripped from you. In those situations, God is there for you. But church, he reminds us today, in those little back rooms with those little infants back there, it's probably why Miss Shelley Harris has dedicated her ministry at Kingsway. I've been here for 13 years, and for 13 years, she's been back in there with those little babies, probably because of this picture and then of this one. Because church, those babies will do the same exact thing just because they love their mommy or their daddy. And when mommy comes in, life could be great. Life could be awesome. They could have the best toy in the world. And when mommy comes in the room, after not seeing mommy for an hour, their hands are going to go up and they're going to go, mommy or daddy. And they're going to be elated. They're going to have the same reaction, church, minus any of the anxiety. Not a care in the world. And yet they're going to put their hands up and plead to pick me up, take me home. My only expectation for this instant is the love I'm going to have when you hold me. And God created this scene, not on TV, not on YouTube, not on any type of Snapchat or Vimo or any type of loop. He created the scene in our lives every day. He created life and he made this to be the first thing you would see when life came out, church. He is pleading with you in every way he can, yet we get to a point in our age where we can become self-sufficient. We don't need mom and dad anymore. We will do it ourselves. And God is saying, do you still need me? So church, you don't need to be in desperation today to plead to him. You just need to want him more than you want anything else around you. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. 
It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.